Yeah. <laughs> oh, welcome, yo! Welcome to the If You Know You Know podcast, starring your man Rashad and your boy Vladimir Just. Oh, government. The whole government today. You get the whole government now. This is who I am. Okay. And um. Are you in your potting bag now? I'm in my motherfucking potting bag. Listen, yeah. listen. You had listen. jerk. Would you have jerk wings? Or you, you yo, had jerk wings? That jerk spot. Um. Fucking. Uh, Peppas. Yes, peppers, First of all, people don't even know chicken. you exist right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're about to give you the <laughs> proper give intro. You the introduction. One of my favorite human beings in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, for real, for real, from day one. Let me so put it sweet. Out. I wish I had a round of applause, little sounds right now. For your girl, mm-hmm. Sherboom Paul. Oh, my God, the full government the full name? Government. Wow, I are, feel Sher. like I'm being exposed. Welcome. If you know, you know podcast. We got a very special guest today. Yes. Her name is Cher. She wanted to come sit with your boys. And talk to us and have a conversation with us. We got a lot she want to get off her chest and a lot of things she want to celebrate as well. Hey, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy I'm New glad Year. to be on the pod. Happy New Year. Go ahead, Cher. Give she your also wants to educate so. a lot of our you know, listeners. You know, and we're going to take a... Cher, what, what do you do? Um, well, I'm an attorney. And actually, before I even start, I got to give a disclaimer. Okay. So, you know, real quick, I just wanted to disclaim Mind everything you, that I say. Yeah, everything that I say. And I have notes on everything. That's major key in this life. Write things down. Louis Vuitton notebook. I guess you got to put it to use. Right? <laughs> yes, exactly. That's fancy as fuck. Did you get that from the app? Are you crazy? <laughs> <laughs> wow, the disrespect is crazy. We're just starting off the podcast. Things are already heating up. But for real, the disclaimer, you know, everything that I'm going to say on the podcast is based on my own personal experiences and my own personal opinions. They're not... Um, opinions on behalf of my employer, my colleagues, or any government entity. And also, I'm not giving anyone legal advice. If you need legal advice, I suggest you meet with an attorney for a consultation to get that advice. So I just got to put that out there because the position that I work in, I don't want anyone thinking these are their opinions. These are my opinions. Respect. 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 Got nothing but love and respect for it. Um, before we get it, I want to, we definitely going to talk about, you know, that good old stuff over there about where you work and your path. But, you know, I just kind of wanted to know a little bit about you. I know a lot of bit about you because obviously I pretty much grew up with you. But I'm sure there's a there's a point in your life where you turn and you said, I want to be a lawyer or I don't want to do this and I want to do that. Talk about yourself. Let us know. Let the listeners know who you really are behind the mask. <laughs> what mask? Vlad? That's the attorney a mask. Weird. OK, the attorney mask. I see what you're saying. Um I've wanted to be an attorney ever since I was like five years old, which mm-hmm. is very strange. It's very weird. Like a five-year-old saying, I want to be a lawyer, but that's 100% true. You could ask anybody who knows me. I've always wanted to be a lawyer. The reason is because it's two different reasons, but both have to do with my family being immigrants. So I was the first person in my family born in America. My whole family's from Haiti. Big up to my zones. <laughs> no, you had your seriously. soup jumu the other day? Definitely had my soup jumu. And fun fact for those that don't know the reason Haitian drink soup jumu, which is pumpkin soup, every year on January 1st is Haitian Independence Day since 1804. And the reason we drink the pumpkin soup is because before um, the colonists used to be the only ones that were allowed to drink pumpkin soup. So once we got our independence, we started drinking pumpkin soup as a sign of our freedom and our independence and our ability to do whatever the fuck we want. Talk about it. Talk about it. So, yeah. First unslaved nation. Exactly. And the motherfucking First black free nation. So, yeah, we set the tone. I'm very proud. Set the vibe. My family's Haitian. That's my heritage. And I was the first person born in America. So, I'm a first generation professional, which is a big part of, you know, my journey. But back to why I wanted to be an attorney. So, Two reasons. One, my mom, being the Haitian lady that she is, she watched a lot of TV when she first came to America. 
to help her learn English. And if anybody knows my mom, this lady is crazy. She's always haggling with somebody. She's always going to a garage sale, Yo, having a problem with someone. I swear to God, if so, you gotta buy something <laughs> and you go to the Ave and you bring her mother, yo, you are never paying. Full even price. Di- yo, they could be like, it's fifty. It could be five dollars. Nah, I can't do it for that. All right, we'll give it to you for three dollars. She's like, nah, I can't do it for that. All right, we'll give it to you for a dollar. You could do fifty cents. You could do fifty cents. <laughs> like, yep, yeah, like, and it's like she goes and hard. they will actually give it to her for fifty cents. So. For real. But, you know, sometimes people get really upset. And like my mom says, you know, when they say the price is firm, they mean firm. So she learned, you know, when she would have a problem with someone, she'd just say, I call my lawyer. I would call my lawyer. And she doesn't even have a lawyer. She would say that all the time oh, when we were growing up as kids. Yes. Oh. And she got that from a TV show. She said she realized a lot of white people and American people in general are afraid of attorneys. They don't want to get sued. So that's why she would always do that. And one day I just asked her, like, why do you always say that? And she's like, oh, lawyers, they're people very powerful. And I said to myself, you know what? I want to be someone very powerful. So that was part of it. And then the second part of it is that is a little bit more personal. I didn't grow up with my dad like that. So I had my uncle in my life. We call him Chico, but his name is Gregory. Um, And he was like a dad to me. And when he first came to America... He wanted to go to law school and everything like that. He went to college. He was really smart, but he had kids early and, you know, he's just coming to America. So he didn't have means to go to law school, but he started working as a courtroom stenographer, like started from the bottom. And now he's like a senior court analyst in Brooklyn, like doing big things, but he never did get to become an attorney. But he took me to work when on bring your child to work day when I was like nine years old. And I went to my first courtroom, and that's when I met my first judge, and I held a gavel and stuff, and that's what really solidified it for me. Like, I wanted to be an attorney. Nice, nice. Yeah. That's actually pretty dope. So then, after we all went to Stony Brook, for people who don't know, but... Yeah, we all went to school together at Stony Brook, and I was just reflecting, See, as it's 2020, <laughs> it's been like over eight years since graduation, and like 10 years, you could say, since starting college. Yeah, so. that's, that's kind of weird. It doesn't feel that way, though. Yeah, I don't feel old, but... I don't feel that way. So, like, after Stony Brook, where did you... Well, what was the process of, like, applying to law school and uh, taking your LSAT? Uh, If you don't mind, what did you score? And then the tier of school that you went to. Okay, yes. Oh, wow. So, you you did your research, huh? You know about the tiers of schools and everything. I I, I do my due diligence (laughs) out here. I know know what I'm doing. Okay, so pretty much it was very interesting because even though I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer and I was a really good student in high school, when I went to college, it was my first time having my freedom. And you can ask Vlad. I remember we had this one class together, this European fashion class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vlad yeah. is still salty really about European this. Flashing. You put me on the game. But, you put, you put me exactly. On the game. But I almost European never fashion? used to go to class. Yeah. I was all about my like student leadership stuff. So I used to go to the class like every once in a while. And Vlad and our other friends used to be in class like, all the time and shit. And we did everything in group projects. I swear we got to be on every project. But I knew I needed an A. That was my easy class. I needed an A. So I wrote the teacher a card telling him that I used this technique that he taught us, this mind mapping concept in another Tony class Hope. and how oh, it yeah. blew Skate. my mind and things like Skate that. Queen. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting an A minus in the class. And Vlad couldn't believe it because he got a B plus, I think. And yeah, he yeah, was yeah. there every time and I was not there. I put in a work so, But those like are the examples loser. of things I used to do. <laughs> In school, so I used to be kind of bullshitting when I was in college. So my GPA when I left was not that good. Mm-hmm. It was under 3.0, I'll be honest well, what with was everybody. It? 
No, I don't want to say exactly no, what it I was. I mean, this is good for... I swear it was like a 2.89 or something like okay. that. So it was close, but it was no cigar. I mean, this is good for people who may want to go to law school, but... And maybe judging themselves based on like, the GPA. Oh, like, damn, sure. I don't have, like, yeah. the best GPA to get into the, the best school that I want to. So that's why I asked, like... So okay, you said a 2.89. Yeah, you know what? Let me share it because I, I could own my truth because, yeah, it was a 2.89... Um, and honestly, which is a really poor GPA to be trying to go to law school. I even met with a, um, like advising at Stony Brook and I told the lady I wanted to be a lawyer and she straight up laughed in my face and she was like, reconsider. She's like, this is not for you. Like, you're not going to be able to do this, which is crazy because anyone who knew me knew I was like, I'm somebody that never been afraid of public speaking. Yeah. I was an RA in college. I used to throw programs, 300 people there. Yeah, you did, you training did, um, people, did all type of in internships. You was in the debate club in high school, right? Yeah, and like in high yeah. school, I was on the debate team. I made state championships and everything like that. Yeah. But, you know, grades is a huge part of going to law school. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the grades is an indicator like you may not do good on a standardized test. And especially as an African-American standardized tests are not set up for us to pass, right? Mm -hmm. They're set up for us to fail. So it's very difficult as an African-American to do well on the LSAT. It's a logic test. It's, it's extremely coded in a way that the field stays dominated by white males pretty mm -hmm. much, right? So not having a good GPA and then having to go take the LSAT and not to mention my parents don't have money, it was a very difficult time. So after college, I took a year off. And I got a job. I was literally working as a content developer for a designer dress store in Port Jefferson, Long Island. Shout out to Suffolk. <laughs> you see, they don't hear that often. So you got to give it a chance every once in a while. Shout out to Suffolk. Mm -hmm. But I was working out there, um, you know, doing content for the website and managing the store, doing buying and things like that. So more in like the, you know, commercial fashion type thing. But I was there really for the money so I could save up money to try to take the LSAT and apply to law schools. Applying to law schools, that's something they don't tell you about. It's an extremely expensive. complicated process and it's expensive. Mm -hmm. You have to really do your research on how to apply to law school because that's also part of the reason I took a year off because by the time I thought I was supposed to be applying to law schools when I was a senior, I was way behind in the game. There was no way I was going to go to law school. You have to sign up for this. I forgot what it's called, like CSAC program. program. You got to be on this website. You have to do all your applications through there, get your references on that website, mm -hmm. like pay all these fees just to even get into applying. And then each school has their own individual fee. And let's say you want to get a fee waiver, you have to email each school individually and do an application. It's a whole thing. For your average... Um Let's say your average individual that wants to go to law school, how much you think, how much would you say they would spend on an application on applications? If so, if so, how many schools did you apply to? And if you didn't have the fee waiver, how much do you think it would have cost for all of them? So I think I applied to about 10 schools mm -hmm. and the applications were anywhere between 80 and a hundred dollars each. Mm -hmm. So you need at least a thousand dollars, I would say to apply to 10 schools, but I did apply for some fee waivers. I think I got fee waivers for maybe three of the schools. So I still needed like $700. What are the fee and waivers? That, what are the fee waivers based on? I don't know. I, I can't remember what we had to do, but I, you know, you just apply for it. And then if you qualify, you qualify. Mm -hmm. So me, being that I was independent, I was living on my own at the time, and I was just supporting myself, wasn't making that much money, there was times where I would qualify for it. Um, the other thing is, you have to pay $250, at least that was the price back then, just to get um, 
a login on the website that you need to apply. Mm-hmm. So you need that fee, that initial fee to be on that website, and then the fees for the schools. Yeah, so, you know how I feel about fees, man. They be out here just giving it out. Filthy. Yep, and you have to pay, obviously, to take the LSAT that costs money so, and take an LSAT course if you can afford that. So, so this is the uh, application process. This is all after your LSAT. Right. This is all, well, I like, did, some of them was before, some of them were after, right? Why Why apply before you had the score? Well, you can apply early, right? So some of them I tried to apply early even though I didn't have the score, and then it just sends the score when you receive it. Oh, so you had already taken it, but you, you didn't Exactly, I didn't know the score yet. Got you, got you. Isn't that risky? Yeah. For the money, for the money. For the it's money. risky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is risky, but to be honest, the timelines that they give, every school gives different timelines, so you kind of have to do it and take your chances. Did, I, my fault. Oh, did you take it once or you took it twice? So I only took it once because I could only afford to take it once. Oh, okay. Mm, so that yeah. pressure was probably a little helpful. Definitely. And I couldn't afford to take a course either, so I actually took some books from the library, and that's how I studied. I studied for three months, some books at the library to take the LSAT, yeah. So if you don't mind... What did you score? So I actually got a decent score on the LSAT. I had got a 171. Oh, shit. Um, so that's, that's top tier. Yeah. So I did really well on the LSAT. Thank God, because I had a really poor GPA. Yo, that's, that's a um, really, for people who don't know, that's a really, really, really yeah. good fucking so score. So I scored well on the LSAT. I was really happy about that. That helped me a lot because otherwise I probably wouldn't be have been able to go to law school with the scores that I have. Or maybe I would have ended up at a school that was mm-hmm. not accredited or something like that. Mm-hmm. But interestingly enough, even though I scored really well, I got into a few schools, not all the schools that I applied to. I maybe got into four schools and I applied to 10. Um, and I actually had it was between two choices and one was a way better school and the other one was like a third tier school mm-hmm. and I went with the third tier school. So wait, so what school, <laughs> which schools were these? So it was um, Cardozo Law School and, and then New York Law School. Benjamin Cardozo? Uh, I mean, uh, the one in... <laughs> it's um, part of the Yeshiva University. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, um, Cardozo Law School. It's in the city. And it's on... It's like Murray Hill. Right. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, um... Yeah, so that's why I, 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 I was deciding between those two schools. I knew some people at Cardozo, and I knew some people at New York Law School. Um, but not enough, like, oh, we were so super cool, cool, that I would go to school there just to be with them. I wanted to go to a school in Manhattan in a good location where I could get, like, internships and good opportunities and things like that. And I also wanted to go to a school where I felt a community vibe because – I had read this book, like the law school dragon. The first year of law school is like a dragon or something like that. And it was talking about how community was the main thing that could help you survive the journey. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I went to Cardozo for a minute students day and it was horrible. Like they were not nice. They were not welcoming. Everybody there looked kind of miserable. I was in shock because it was a really, really good school. When I went to New York law school, on the other hand, um, there was this Haitian guy at the balsa table, which is a black law students association. He came straight to me. He was talking to me and everything. He's telling me all about the school. He made me feel super comfortable. He was already like, okay, sign up for balsa, pay your deposit today. Let's go like come be part of the community. Cause we you got work that, to do. Yeah. Like, like it was like, he was like, this is what we're trying to do to change the community and what we're trying to do to really um, benefit black students, minority students, first generation students, immigrant students at the school. And I think you could do a lot here. Come join the community. And it's like, that really sold me. Like I always say that Joam, he was the balsa president at the time and I followed in his footsteps. So I owe him a lot. He was really cool. That's what's up. That's yeah. what's so up. for like, so you chose New York law over Cardozo and like, 
isn't there when you when you go to a top tier school mm-hmm. is it is it safe to say that it's kind of easier in terms of landing the you get to pick of the litter jobs that you want like i know we both know someone who went to uh, a top tier and then a an Ivy League law school. Yeah, right? an Ivy, yeah. yeah, a top tier Ivy League. So that's they, what I was saying. And they were People, set. It's a misconception because you go to a top tier law school like Cardozo or Brooklyn Law. Those schools are good law schools. St. John's, that's a good law school. But those are just they're good law schools. It's really only the Ivy League ones that kind of give you a guarantee, like that, because they don't grade. So it's completely different than how we get it because they don't really. Um, they don't grade on a curve like how we get it and there's no failing pretty much and it's interesting because they have a saying it's like you work hard in college you don't have to work hard in law school Mm -hmm. because you go to that type of law school it's kind of easy or if you don't work hard in college now you have to work hard in law school because you're going to end up going to a shitty law school and the only way you're going to make it is by working really hard because especially in the bad law schools they over accept students right Um, for tuition and things like that and then they weed the students out after the first year. So first semester, bottom 10%, automatically kicked out. Oh. So did you apply to any Ivies? No. Oh, my God. I'm not crazy. So <laughs> some people would, but that would, to me, I feel like that's a waste of money. Mm-hmm. And I actually interned at an Ivy League school right before I went to law school. So I interned at Yale University. Mm-hmm. And I was living there from about end of April up until August, right before I started law school. And they wanted me to stay there. They actually offered me a full-time job, and they knew I was going to law school there. So they were trying to change my mind. And they were telling me, like, you know, if you stay long enough and you work here, we could try to connect you with the Yale Law School. But I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to get going with my career, and I didn't want to get sidetracked, especially the salary was attractive. I liked the work I was doing. It was summer conferences and events. I was working with celebrities. Like, I coordinated the team for Barbara Bush Jr. when I was there. She lived in my building, so... It was very interesting work and cool, and I really loved everyone I worked with. They were so welcoming over there, but I couldn't see myself staying over there because I'll be honest, I was the only black person. Now you would have been mad, so, mad different. Yo, you would have been, you would have been, been like, no, no, you would have been in like Martha's Vineyard been, every summer. <laughs> like yo, you, right see, yeah, like, when nah, we were there, we went to Yale Club. Nah, you we wild. Like <laughs> you, you thought you, you tried to go back to the hood, New York law. She wanted bacon, egg, and cheese. No, you didn't want, you I didn't was want going to Tribeca. I don't consider that the hood. You didn't want you didn't want crepes you didn't want crepes for breakfast yeah. like you was wilding. I enjoyed it. I loved being at Yale. They offered me a job with a six figure salary, what? which was very enticing. I'm wait, not you turned even that, wait time out time time <laughs> out time out. You turned down a six figure salary before law school. And, Correct. Because and I, and like had an in where you could have been to, could but have it went wasn't to a guarantee. The, and but and still, honestly, they didn't have my transcript wait, or anything. So how did they know this is, they were gonna be able to get me in? This is because it's all it's all about who you know. But, <laughs> but it's also about but, the community aspect wait, that wait, I was wait, talking wait, wait. to you about. Six figures at what age? Uh, at that age, what age was I? It was 2013, so I was 22, turning 23. <laughs> That's very interesting. I never heard about this. You never yeah. asked. You well, uh, you know I interned at Yale. I'm pretty sure. I, that. I, I, I got promoted while I was there. Yeah, he, and you didn't think I, didn't I got offered a position? Yeah. Absolutely. He probably wants to snuff you right now. I'll tell you the truth. Oh. I didn't even think I was going to get that internship. I, I understand why. I kind of somewhat, I shouldn't say I understand, but I somewhat feel why you made the decision you made. But do you ever think like, you know what? Maybe you could have been, because remember, we kind of talk about this with them leaving the community and stuff like that, right? Yeah. You kind of could have been 
the welcome the door that opens the door to other people to that are look like you to walk in to yell and say no nah, I do want to come in now like now nah, but yeah, if there's but, another you nah, who turns you know, it down look, everybody so, but listen to this though it's a couple different things you have to think back like I said at that time I was 22 years old yes, yes. so it's not like I was grown I had so much foresight yeah. and yeah, things yeah, yeah. like that and I'm speaking from I the had outside other anyway. things mm-hmm. on my mind too I was in a relationship at that time right and my mm-hmm. significant other was living in Queens mm-hmm. so it was a hardship you're over here thinking about temporary things because obviously I'm not even with that person anymore, right? Dang. So that's part of what comes into your mind. You gave up the bag then, for, for a nigga from Hollywood. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> you gave up the bag wow, for, the for that's no, You gave up the, the bag for a nigga from Hollywood. Like, yo, if I knew you no, back then, we would have words. It's not nah, that. It's so so you better leave that nigga on the corner. But you have to think about it. This is something I had my dream since I was five years old. I'm going to be an attorney. Yeah. And I finally got my shit together. I took a whole year off. Mm-hmm. I, I got it together. I, I saved all this money i studied on my own did what i had to do i got accepted and i was going to the school i'm like now nah, i have to give this a try i keep this it a is buck something though i really wanted i keep it a buck though every time i see you every fucking time i see you you're always very happy so we don't really know where that other path would have took you it might have yeah. been more money and you might have been fucking pulling your hair out and been an angry human being and been dealing with a lot i doubt never that know. though because it was a great environment and i was i, was, I yeah, was everything was perfect like no 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 I'm gonna, well let me tell you what it was this is the you thing. hurt my soul right now they told us when we were interviewing for the internship that it was one of the most competitive things in the world. I mean, like it is only one percent of people get this internship. That's and it's, scary. Yeah, yeah. So, and they have over two thousand applicants every year for this program. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, they don't even offer it to Stony Brook students. The reason I found out about it is because my boss went to Rutgers, where they have a huge higher education program, and she wanted me to continue with that. Um, Karima, I don't know if you guys remember, I remember her. Karima. Oh, yeah, so yeah, Karima yeah. was the one who reached out to me out of nowhere with that. She was that. real as fuck. Yo, I I, she she really cared about me. She put me onto smart goals, which completely changed my life, which mm-hmm. I will honestly tell people if you guys are not doing smart goal setting, measurable, um, attainable, realistic, um, and time centered goals. goals, those are what it is. I'm telling oh, you, specific, oh, oh. measurable, oh, stuff um, that I attainable, actually do. realistic. Yeah. Oh, that's just a name for it. Okay. Yeah, so it tells you it's, um, it's a goal setting tool. And she taught me that. And I'll be honest, that completely changed my game. Like my friend Harley said, I've been con- collecting credentials since I was like five years old. But Karima turned that on its head with the smart goals. I have a question. So it's, uh-huh. you said it's a tool. Is it actually like something you have in your mind that you just do? Or is it when actually you're, a tool When you're you goal use? setting, right, you're using it to frame your goals. So it's SMART. So it's an acronym. S for specific, M for measurable, A for attainable, R for realistic, and T for time. So making sure that your goal is specific, that it can be measured, um, that it can be easy, that it can be attainable, attainable that it's a realistic goal. goal, and that it's um, there's a time um, duration on it. So there's a time limit on that goal. I love it. So yeah, I love it. I and love it. it's really a tool. Goal setting like, a... like that, it's amazing. Yes, it's a tool. Smart yeah. goals. Yeah, you gotta you gotta forward, you gotta send me that and. Uh... I love that. I want to spread that to others. Definitely look into that. It's amazing. So she's the one who sent me the internship. She said they told her to offer it to students at Rutgers, which she did pick some people. But she said when she first saw it, she thought of me right away. Mm -hmm. I was skeptical. I told her, I was like, I don't think I'm getting this or whatever. But somehow, lo and behold, I ended up getting the internship. Um, And when I got there, I was the only black person. And even being there... Um, which was fine. I loved all my colleagues and everybody knows I have all different types of friends and I made so many great friends there. Shout out to my friend Camry who lives in Texas that I met during the internship, a blonde girl, you know, totally country, cool girl. Um, but what was, what bothered me about it is that a lot of times when I would get approached by people that I was working with, it was because they thought I worked in the kitchen 
or sanitation because mm-hmm. I was the only two um, like careers for black people there at Yale and in the Yale bubble. Mm-hmm. So it was crazy the amount of times I got disregarded or overlooked when I was there by people. And it really made you think about like being an outsider and your race. And even though you've mm-hmm. achieved so much, it's like you're constantly getting diminished by people who are... I don't want to say under me, but like, less I have a higher position in them and they're treating me like I'm nothing. You know what I mean? So looking back, do you think, you know, now like you are like a, you know, strong, strong black woman and a stronger black woman now looking back, do you think that you would have stuck, you know, stuck out, stuck it out there because now you are trailblazing and setting and, and breaking down that preconceived notion of you're a cook of, no no i run this entire department like you well know. i was like that then though even though i oh, trust me i never hesitated to let people know who no, i was no. and what my yeah, position yeah. was so <laughs> i never had a problem and it was it was fun for me because it's like you underestimated me so much so as they're talking and i'm like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and it seems like you've they dealt realize with- who i am it seems like you've dealt with a lot of underestimating i mean that, that you said that woman at, at, at stony brook tried to play you I mean, I'm sure when you're younger, a lot of people probably try to discourage you a little bit. So it's insane how much you get underestimated as a black woman in America, Mm -hmm. especially in intellectual fields, fields that they see as particularly reserved for the upper class people. Right. Um, Even when I was going to law school. So that's interesting. You know, I chose New York law school. I was going there. And law school is extremely expensive. And you guys know my parents and stuff. They don't got money like that. So, like I said, I was working to support myself. So, now I had to get loans and stuff. And I'm telling my mom, like, okay, this is how much it costs. It's sixty-five, seventy thousand a year. Mm-hmm. You know, how am I going to do this? Blah, blah, blah. So, she reached out to a family friend um, who was a doctor. And her husband is actually the one that wanted to speak to me. So he is, you know, a very educated man. He's a mathematician. You know, he works with numbers and he makes a lot of money. And I guess he feels like he knows everything. You know, he knows a lot about the world and he likes to give advice. So the advice he gave me, he said he was going to send me an article. He sent me an article. It was called, it was from the New York Times and it was called Why Law School is a Losing Game. I remember it to this day. And it was a super long article and the premise of the article was pretty much if you um, are African-American, you're from a low socioeconomic class, you don't have money, you should not go to law school because you will never be successful. You will never get a job after law school, even if you even have a chance to graduate. So before you make that mistake, just don't even bother doing it because you have no chance in that um, field. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy because this is somebody who's like an uncle to me, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Somebody that has been a figure in my life that gives me, as a role model, you know what I mean? And this is what they sent me when we're asking for advice, like how to finance this that's and what like, to do. That's like the most... It was yeah, crazy, like, crazy, crazy. Um, when he sent me the email, I was kind of in shock. I had to reread the article like did you miss two, some shit? three times. Yeah. I couldn't believe was it. Was it a I metaphor like, that I didn't get? I, yeah. Yo, seriously, yeah. you know you're reading this shit and I still have it in my email, so... It's like you're reading it and you're like, oh my goodness, this can't be life. So then I didn't respond for okay. a while, right? He sent me the email. I didn't respond. A week went by. He hits me up. He texts me, oh, you didn't respond to my email. That's very rude, right? <laughs> you know, Haitians. Hey, so I'm like, I'm like oh, I'm still thinking me, about what to say. 
I just I just lucky I should spit on you. Yeah, like I'm trying to go. I'm trying to better my life. You talk about not. You even give nothing good at the back of it. He trying to chill on the block with your homie from Queens. Right, and so and it's crazy because for him, all his kids, he considers them to be like a prodigy. He wants so much for them, but they struggled so much. Like he has a son who's a year older than me that still didn't finish college and stuff, and you know all this stuff. So I think also you know too, it's you know, it's competition between the parents and their kids and stuff like that that comes into it. But, so I didn't respond at first and then another week went by because I told him I was still thinking about it. He Mm -hmm. hits up my mom like, oh, how rude. I said share an email. She doesn't even reply. So finally I had to reply to the email and I basically told him in not so many words like, you know, I've wanted to be an attorney ever since I was five. You don't know me, you know, and my capabilities or anything like that. This is one my passion. I've done a lot to prepare for this, and I'm confident that I'll be successful. Um, and, you know, I wrote that I wrote that out in an email, and I wrote it, revised it, wrote it, revised it. You know, take the angry out of it because mm-hmm. you want to be yeah, yeah, respectful yeah. at the same time. And the crazy thing is this guy writes me back, and he's like, oh, I had no idea you, you were so eloquent and articulate. Maybe you do have a chance after all. And uh, I would have shit on him even more. <laughs> then he tried to offer me an internship. He said he was uh, coordinating a campaign for a local official. Um, official in the neighborhood in Queens, right? And, oh, it would be such a great opportunity and experience for me. So that's when I, I was being petty. So I had to let him know I'm good because I'm interning at Yale University this mm. summer. So I'll be, I, I think I'll have good enough experience. Mm. And then that's when it was hit with the... Shock! The one-two punch landed. You know yeah. what I mean. Mm-hmm. You know what's wild? I, I was actually expecting that story to end with him having. There was some some way he was gonna put you on in the end. Like he was doing something bigger than I could see. Word. But he was just no. kind of a dick. He was, like he was being a dick. Yeah, he was yeah. trying to like. Be petty like you're not, and like, tell me, oh, I, hate I can that. help like, you. Nah, so wait, nah, so, I hate that. Like yeah. he's not really trying to build. He wasn't really trying to build you up because I've been doing it on my own this whole time. So right? now when you my see- mom's the one that asked you for help, not me. So yeah. now when you see him, like he be. Oh my god, yeah. he's the worst. There was one time he invited us to this Black History Month event, and he always has this thing where he tries to put people on the spot, and he has done that since we were kids. Like what so, do you mean, like in front of. So like, he oh. was coordinating. He's he's like in charge of this. Um, Kind of like a modern day Black Panthers thing in Queens, right? Okay. So they have a chapter like that in the, in Queens, and he's the president. Mm-hmm. So he was throwing this Black History thing in Rosedale. And out of nowhere, me and my cousin Antoinette go, he puts me on the spot. He starts asking, he's like asking legal questions, and he's talking about something. He said, oh, I have an attorney in the audience. My niece, blah, blah, blah. And he calls me up out of nowhere. He didn't tell me anything or whatever. And he's like, oh, talk about this, this, and this. So it was about um, like the Black Lives Matter movement and things like that. And it's funny because people be thinking they have you. But what he didn't know at the time I was still in law school is I was the president of the Black Law Students Association. Mm-hmm. So it's my business, it's my job to know about the Black Lives Matter movement, to coordinate community events, to do service for the community, to uh, raise awareness for this. Like, I received awards in law school. I'm not trying to brag for my social consciousness and being uh, you know, a political champion as far as raising social consciousness and social awareness about these different types of issues. So he kind of played himself again yeah. by trying to put me on the spot and make me look stupid because yeah, I he actually looked, gave you an alley oop. Right. Oh, so man. I just looked good and I promoted my group and that was it. So it went just fine. But he's that type. Has so he invited you to another me, event since then? Um, no, he's a fucker. He's a fucker. I can't get come rid of to this my girl. graduation party. Oh, um, it was interesting. His wife came, but they didn't give me a card. 
<laughs> Yo, what's wrong with this? And he didn't come. They made an excuse, and uh, it was really interesting because they always come to every party. They didn't, he didn't make it to that one, though. Let me ask you a question. Is, from, since you've known him from here, is he, is he, I'm just being, throwing this out there, is he sexist? Is he a, like a narcissistic or a sexist kind of person? Um, It's not that he's sexist. He just, I feel like he always had a thing against me because I'm very outspoken. Well, that's why I'm asking because he seemed like I'm, he was kind of like come, like attacking well, you for no real... Well, I think it's a generational thing because he felt like, as a woman, like, you know, everyone says it, I'm loud. I have a loud voice. That's just how I am. And mm-hmm. I'm very outspoken. Ever since I was a kid, he would make comments about that to my mother. Like, oh, she's too loud. You need to calm her down. She's a girl. Like, she shouldn't be talking so much and doing this. It's just not going to be good for her or whatever. Yeah, it's, it's not like he has and that I old school sexist mentality. That all that talking actually worked out in my favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he be hating. Yeah, yeah. no, that's the, he was definitely hating. So, like... Let's fast forward into now. You went to New York Law. You led that. You were the you know organizer of. Who would you say? What was Black Law Students Association. Yeah. So yeah. After law school, you finished. What did you specialize in law school? Okay, so people always ask that. Uh, it's a big misconception. People do not know how law school works. So you don't specialize in anything in law school. You study. General law, everybody takes the same classes first year because the ABA requires us to take particular classes. So across the country, we all take the same classes. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's all different types of general law. And then you can choose whatever kind of classes that you want. So for me, I was working mainly, it's not specializing in anything because everyone's degree is just a Juris Doctor, which is a Doctor of Law. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I mainly focused on was civil rights, voting rights, constitutional law, immigration law, um, and legislation and regulation, which is like administrative law. Mm -hmm. So all types of like advocacy work because I honestly always wanted to be a public interest lawyer even before I knew what that meant. So a public interest lawyer is somebody that advocates for people whose voices are not always heard, you know, advocates in the public interest, whether that be from the government side or from the defense side. Mm-hmm. So um, I always, always wanted to help people. I never wanted to get rich being an attorney. So that's another thing. People think all attorneys are rich. I'm a public interest attorney. So no, I'm mm-hmm. not getting, oh my God, so much money straight out of law school, but money comes as an attorney. So over time with experience, you do make enough money. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll say, you know, I, I'm comfortable with how much I make and I love the work that I do. So I can sleep at night knowing every type, everything I do is good work and I'm helping people. That's what's up. That's so what's up. Who do you work for? If you can say who you work so for. So I don't want to say who I work okay. for, but I work for, I work for the government. So I'm a prosecutor. I work for the government. I don't want to say exactly where I work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I'm a supervising attorney. So I supervise my own unit. And my unit, we do appeals. We do recruitment. We do training. And we do vehicle seizures and civil forfeitures. So that's like a constitutional law aspect. We also practice in administrative court. Um, we do all the appeals for our particular organization. Um, and I also hire attorneys. So it's very interesting being a super young and fresh attorney Mm. and doing the hiring. So I hire new prosecutors. I hire interns. I hire externs and it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of funny because it's shocking to see what people do. Like the cover letters they write, the resumes they write, how they come in for the interview. Like I've had some guys come in being all slick and stuff like giving you a slick rub when they're giving you a handshake and things because they see you're young and you know you're a young black woman. Oh, oh I see what you're cute. saying. Oh, they're yeah, trying yeah. to flirt with me. Mm-hmm. That's a mistake. Why would you try to flirt with me? This is a professional job. Yeah. You're coming in for an interview as an attorney. You shouldn't be trying to rub me up 
And, you know, I don't know crazy. you. And I have no clue <laughs> yeah. if you even washed your hands. So please. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm. I have had, I, I remember I called this one guy. His cover letter was okay. His resume was not great. But I called him anyway um, for an interview because we didn't have many candidates at the time. And he answers the phone and he's like, yo, who this? Now, if you're applying for jobs, would you answer your phone? Yo, who this? Well, you should just actually, if you don't know who's calling, you yeah. should just never answer the phone. Yeah. Like, you know how many yeah. times but people call me and they cast me? No, no, no. I mean, I don't know. No, people I don't call know. me. Just let me leave a message first so yeah. and you call me back. People right? call me and they be like, sometimes strategy. they make fun of me because like I'll answer the phone because I don't know who the number is. And I'm like, uh, good afternoon. This is Vladimir speaking. And then they'll be like, and they'll be like good do. afternoon. Like, I'm just answering like that because like, I don't know who it is. I'm professional and I want all everybody to hear this. The young black people out there going for jobs, you want to be in a professional field, you need to have a level of professionalism, even if that is on your personal phone. People get so prideful about their personal stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's you not realize you're white. applying for a job, right? Somebody is going to call you. So you need to be, you know, you need to stay ready so you don't have to get ready. So when I'm calling somebody, I'm a recruiter, I'm calling you. And you answer the phone, yo, who this? I'm not supposed mm-hmm. to know about that part of your personality. Yeah, yeah, it's a wrap. But me, I'm super nice. So I'm like, I explained who I was. I'm like, oh, I'm calling from here about this position that you applied for. Is this such and such? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so after I told you what I was calling for the job, you're still doing it. So now mm-hmm. I'm like, wait. I'm like, okay, wait, did he hear me? And he was like, yo. He's like, is this an attorney job? This is the prosecutor job I applied for? You don't know what job you applied for, sir? So I'm like. No, that's wild. I was like, yes, this is. Like, are you available to come in? Then he kind of switched a little bit. Oh, yes, absolutely. I can come in on Tuesday or whatever. But it was a little late in the game. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> it was a little yeah. late so, wait, in the game. so when you hung up, did you say, you sent the email like, hey, oh, after, my gosh. after no. further consideration, so you, I had to you hired him. somebody that else. Email? I, I, I'm not bringing you in. No, no I had sorry, to bring nah. him in, and I knew it was going to be a waste of time. I told the other supervisors what happened. They were like, are you serious? You're still going to bring this? This guy we're like let me just give him a chance he might come in and like polish himself up he came in for the interview with the most shiny shoes i have ever seen Listen, you gotta let him and no socks <laughs> and no socks, european shit which is nuts we're not supposed to dress uh, we're not supposed to judge off the outfit so i was not yeah don't judge but him. this was the guy that took my hand and did the long caress oh so wait was he older up, he was a young man okay. about my age okay so he thought he was trying to be g'd up he nah. was definitely the the same age as he, me. He went to law school? Like, well, he had to go to law school, Yes, right? he's an attorney, a licensed attorney. Did he go to a But he school? hasn't had a recent job. He went to a better law school than me, but he didn't have any recent jobs. So it was very interesting the way he came in. You can tell why you don't have a job right now. You're unemployed because you're acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, what is happening? And it's like you just want to help a person like that because it was a young black man, right? Mm-hmm. He has good credentials. His stuff on his resume looked good. But it's the way you're presenting yourself. Yeah. And even during the interview, he could barely speak. And then at a point, we asked, what's your strength and weaknesses? He said his strength is he's articulate and eloquent. Wait, no, so you're this, not, sir. Was this? <laughs> was like, it wasn't a one-on-one interview? Sir, you're not. No, it's a, no, absolutely not. We don't do one-on-one interviews. Um, it's a panel interview. So there's more than one person there. Mm-hmm. Um, which I guess for some people, that can make you nervous. But my job, you're going to be a litigator. So you need to be able to talk in front of... A hundred people. Absolutely. Courtrooms are public. Anyone you can't, can come you in. can't, you can't. So we're yeah. not looking for shy people. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're looking. And there are shy people, but even shy people know how to turn on their game and sell themselves. That's a big part of being an attorney. You don't make it in the legal field if you if you can't build relationships, you can't smooth, you can't speak off the cuff. You just can't. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, even as a transactional attorney, you have to build those connections with people no matter what. Connections are everything in the legal field. So I have something very controversial. I don't know. It's, it's not controversial, controversial. But no, I mean, it is controversial. Would you say that our judicial system is solely based off of money now and not based off of being impartial? Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Ooh. Sharon once said to me, the Constitution is a living, breathing document. And then and then, whatever else the hell you say when you were drinking the, the Kool-Aid. The Constitution is a living, breathing document. She be in the Kool-Aid. The, the Constitution hasn't that. been updated since the fucking... She doesn't since, 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 since motherfuckers was writing... Wait, 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 wait. Updated, yes, it though. does. Like, not at the moment. You, what do you so want wait, wait, So wait, so when the Constitution... What was, do you Wait, wait, share, wait. When the Constitution was made, was it slavery? So it's already in... It's been updated since then, sir. But... We got not, amendments. The when, Reconstruction when was, Amendments are but look, there. When was the last time the Constitution was was amended? Yes, but you have to think about it. The Constitution is written no, 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 in no. a way that's non-specific in order for it to move with the times but, and still protect the rights But answer my question. When was the last time the Constitution was amended? It's been a while. I'll okay, say it. it's so been a while. being that, like, first of all, this country is built off of slavery and it has it has a neglect it has a shield up to act like this didn't happen. So a lot of these constitutions and written laws don't. In, no, don't but the Constitution was amended after slavery was abolished. Yeah, but I'm sure with the Reconstruction Amendments, in order to protect the rights of um, people in special classes, like discriminatory classes, like based on race or based on disability, sure. sex, gender, that type of thing. But you're so familiar with the Thirteenth Amendment. Have yeah, you seen the Thirteenth? Thirteenth, the Fourteenth. Uh, have you seen the documentary? About basically. Oh no, how, I haven't. Oh, it's really good. It's with um. Oh damn! I, I, didn't, see blanket on her name. I Thir- didn't even know about it. The Thirteenth is on Netflix. It's a documentary about how like the clause in the Thirteenth Amendment where slavery is still legal. So like if you think about the prison industrial complex, that's why a oh, lot well, of them are sending mass them. Mass incarceration well, is slavery. It's in, yes, so and that's why. And also mass supervision. So, is another version of slavery, which we, they, they were talking about on the Free Meek documentary. Yeah. And I'm glad that a lot of that is coming more to the forefront and people are talking about that more because those are huge issues. So as far as that was what I was going to say yeah. as to your question, I don't even want to say it's about money. A lot of it is about prejudice. People well, are buying into their own biases so much these days that, yes, the system is 100%. corrupt. But, and we have a president that is pretty much putting the message out there that that is okay. If you have personal prejudices, you have personal biases, you can now exert those against people without consequence. He does it all the time. But the reason I say it is about money is because you have all these private prisons and you have all these corporations. Oh, yes, you have all the corporations There's that are in, invested in the prisons and then now you have the inmates working and producing parts and man- manufacturing things for these corporations at the cheapest lowest wages. I definitely agree wages. with you. There's a lot so, of corruption out there. There's an We're, incentive the to send people to prison. The private prison industry is horrible. And the war on drugs is horrible. Once you, go to, was, once you go to Florida and you leave the main areas of Florida, you know, Miami, um, Orlando, and you're just in regular Florida, it's prisons, 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 prisons. Oh, that's yeah, how Texas prisons. is. All this prisons, 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 prisons. target minorities, oh, you definitely. know, African American people, Hispanic people. There's proof of that you. though. That's not even like that's not oh, even yeah. up for debate. There's mad that. proof. That's, up, that's not up for I debate. forgot there was actually a president that I, I forgot as in Nixon, one of the presidents actually admitted to 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 putting things in place to have drugs pushed into so, like, the, the bad communities. Yes. I could have sworn um, it was I think I don't want to say the wrong president, but I think not, it was Nixon. It was during the it, it was during, But he admitted that they were the Iran Contra it was with um Rick Ross. That's like when they pumped. They he pumped. admitted to putting to out to having they, black they communities had the CIA be pumped the be, crack. They oh, like yes. they were supporting. Yeah. They were supporting the rebels. But to hear one of them admit that they were doing that and everybody not be like immediately 
shut the whole fucking shit down. We need to, we need to like do the right thing. Like this is crazy. Like they was literally they come on. You, well, it's in like communities, you guys you're spoke pumping about drugs in the communities. Episode, like, the war on drugs is what you know. Crack was oh my god. These people are killers. These people mm. are dangerous. They're murderers. And now it's like heroin is oh my god. Everybody's sick. Yeah. Let's yeah. help everyone. You yeah. know because yeah, they're yeah. affecting different groups. Yeah. So it's interesting, but it's not anything surprising. Life hasn't changed. You know, in 50 years and 100 years in America, you know, it's just a different version of slavery. But the reason I say, like, why it's more of, like, uh, it's cash-based, because if you look at a lot of, the, like, the cases but that... But slavery was cash-based, No, no, too. for sure. So, like, it's still a form. It's still in that... Absolutely. That I think that's the country. 100%. No, because... I look, think that's our country, but though. I wait, Remember but look, what we said earlier about with the book? But outside of that, what? you could plea out... And oh. then a lot of this stuff is to plead, like, so if you go to, like, a basic traffic court. Oh, the Islamophobia. Yeah. Oh, mm. but if you go to a basic traffic court, they're trying to get you to plea out. Like, listen, you can, let's say if they accuse you of being on the phone. That's what they always driving. do. So, listen, <laughs> well, you can go this, and, like, they take you into a room before you even get into uh Well, that's the legal process. It's called offering you a settlement, and they don't have to do that. That's a privilege. But, right. but. <laughs> It's already impartial know. because it's selling you so like, well, listen, I can pay, me, I can pay you. Listen. It's hard for me to agree with that 100% because as an outsider looking in, people always see it that way. But I work for government and I'm in prosecution, so I'm on the other side, right? For sure. I'm that guy bringing you into the room saying, hey, I'll give you this if you just blah, blah, blah. But Part of it is keeping the court system clear, right? You want to make sure that you're not wasting the court's time with frivolous cases that could be settled, um, you know, nonviolent offenses, things like that. You're not supposed to be wasting the court's time having a full trial and government resources doing that. You know what I mean? But when you say the and, court's time is already being wasted because there's incentives from the police, from from the police organizations who are on quota systems, who are, like, doing everything to generate... Wait, 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 wait. So we can't control the amount but of complaints and things but, that come But they're in. different entities, but they're but all connected. But that can't connected. fall on, on, on us as citizens i'll give you an example in wine dance parking lot right this is the biggest fucking bullshit waste of time ever on wine dance parking lot i took the train to go to the city i come back to, from the city i got a ticket on my windshield that i must appear in court for you know what the ticket was for the ticket was for because i took up two parking spots share i looked down on the floor there's no fucking lines the whole parking lot's lines are faded <laughs> You cannot see any lines so in the parking lot. So then, so then, that's not the point. That is what I did. The point and is, did you win? Of course. So that is the point. No, no let me no, finish. No, let me no, finish. No, let me finish. No, I didn't get my justice. Wait, wait, wait. I didn't get my justice. You know why? Wait, wait. Because I just got a new job at the time, right? And now I had to take off and go to a court on a Wednesday and inconvenience my fucking Again, time in life for some every stupid shit. Day. No, that's not right. Listen to this. That's not right. It's not not right because were you parked in two parking spots? No, there's no lines. What's a parking spot in a so lot with no lines? Could, you didn't no, know I wasn't. You were because the line was faded, but that doesn't mean it wasn't two parking spots. But you have a fiduciary. VTL, I'm just telling you this. Technically, in the VTL, even if the line is not there, it could be considered an unmarked line. Yeah, that's some bullshit. So that that's what he's talking about. So now you're wasting time. So now you're you're wasting the court's time. Now, if they want to give you a ticket for that, yeah, they're just being petty, but they're well within their right. Now, I'll And wasting this, the courtroom's time. You had your opportunity, though, to come, and this is the great thing about America, you had your opportunity to come to court and defend yourself, and because you were, you knew it was an honest mistake, it wasn't, the, the lines weren't properly marked, it wasn't clear, it wasn't unobstructed, you showed that to the court, and they sided with you, and that's what they call a fair trial. But that's, yes, you had to lose some Me time. going there is not a fair trial. <laughs> wait, wait. 
Jared, yes, that is not that is not a fair job. Me going there, get out of here. Me getting in my car to be. It would be fair if they gave me fifty dollars for the gas and whatever food I had to go buy in that area that time. Give you that when you're because you're wasting my time. If I waste your time, you want money. Lawyers charge mad bread for their time. No, y'all do. Y'all we go mad hard for y'all time. We can only charge for billable work. Okay. So but that's still billable, billable work. So I'm a type of mentality in my world. You, I'm me, and I respect me more than anybody else, right? My time is important to me. If I want to sit and Everybody twiddle my thumbs. Tells me this. Oh, I have to come to court and I'm losing No, money. but this is no, no, valid. No, no, no. But this is different. No, but wait, but wait. This is different. This is different. If you made a mistake. It's the sum of your choices, though. If you made a mistake. By all means, yes. But if I'm in a parking, if I'm in a parking lot, and you don't, this is your parking lot. You own and operate it, but you don't it's have a train the, station you, parking lot. You don't have the proper requirements. You don't have the lines out but there. It's not so how could you? Lot. So how could you write it's the town's me a parking lot? How can you even, as a human being, right? If I go in this lot and I look down, and you, I'm talking about faded to the point where if there was a line, you wouldn't see some. Some of the lines were zeroed out. The majority actually were zeroed out. Some of them further down was a couple little dashes, but you would have to like literally be like, "Oh, that's a spot." Like, what are you? What are you doing? What are you doing as a as a, as a society? This is how the what are you doing? Works. No, I you're hoping. No, wait, sure. back to the money. You're hoping I don't fucking show up and I don't actually take care of it, and now I you just, have a bill to give me a surcharge, a seventy-five dollar surcharge because I didn't come talk up. About it, like y'all get so upset, and the, I get people screaming at no, me no, every no, no. single day. <laughs> I have people cursing my family. They cursing no, me. I'm no, no, talking no. about they hope something. Yeah, you're right. You're, you're right. Kill but you, you, but you realize the money is not going in my pocket, right? No, it's not I going. I'm just doing my job. Yeah. People, I have people telling me when I take, you know, we take cars, we do vehicle seizures. I have people telling me they want to get their car back or they need to get something in their vehicle. Let's say they won their case or somehow the vehicle is being released for some reason, mm-hmm. and then they're gonna sit there, give them the letter, blah blah, blah and they say to me, "Well, how am I getting there? Are you taking me?" Yeah, I guess for you that sounds like a reasonable question, mm-hmm. like. Am I taking you because we have your car? But we have your car because you did illegal activity. I mean, that, that's and I different. Know, I'm sorry, that's not my concern. Like, you can look into the MTA or you could call an Uber. Like, there's many different things you could do. But it's not me who's no, going no, to sure. be taking you. And it's that's exactly what you're saying to me. Like, no. oh, how are you getting to court if I'm not giving you the $50 and you're missing a day of work? This is not jury duty, bro. No, but I'm you not. You don't have to come. You want to avail yourself of the right to a fair trial. I'm not saying you in cases. You can just settle. I'm not saying like in cases like that, but if I go into a case and you're offering me to settle, then how is it impartial? Because you are, you are putting money as the focal point. Well, listen, this is what you can do. I don't know what happened, and yes, you can have a fair trial and risk getting these. This, but you it's know, for your but benefit. Wait, wait. You can risk getting this, or you can give us a thousand dollars, and we don't have. We and this is you can get your shit back, and it's good. Then it's about money. That's not. That's but not, it's not fair. It's not about money. But that's not fair. We're not having a back. But I'm, not, I'm trying to tell you what it is, though. But, uh, but you uh, just gave me the reason why we settle cases. You're complaining. Oh my God, I have to miss a whole day of work. Blah blah blah. Some people just want to be in and out. For they sure. are grateful to be able to come in, settle their case in 20, 30 minutes, yeah, and yeah. be out but the and reason go I'm, back to work. But the reason Other I'm people, in they feel like they want to fight it out. They want to go to court. They feel like it's unfair. Let me do this. But for some people, the money doesn't matter to them. They just want to be in and out, but, and that's their benefit. And to be honest, a lot of people go to court, try to defend themselves and they lose but, why because you guys are laid people you don't know no, about the no, law. no 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 
I wouldn't yes. go like no, that. Right. No, I think majority. A regular citizen. A lot of people. No, no, not you. A lot of people don't know about the law, but that's why it's structured to target people. They don't teach about law, so that is the that is the reason. So it's structured in money because it's structured for you to not fucking know and for us to benefit from this. Because if you don't know, then how can you how can you uh 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 qualify and defend yourself if you hold if, if we're not coming in this partial it is in very impartial you hold the upper hand i know all these laws i know the statutes i know these loopholes you you're just well, a regular that, you're just a regular citizen trying to fight that field though what am i what are we supposed to do even a lawyer and that's the thing people have the i don't know what people think but as a lawyer it's not that they teach you all the law it's they teach you how to learn law and how so to manipulate like for things. me you guys asked me what I studied in law school. I told you all those things. My first job out of law school, though, I did family law prosecution. I, I never was about to, took I was about a to bring family law class yeah, yeah. in my life, like the whole time. So it's not like I knew family law. It's not like I knew Article 10, what I was going to be practicing under, none of that. Mm-hmm. But I knew how to learn the law. Yeah. So I was able to learn the law and navigate that system. And that's something that's extremely difficult. And I'll say family law is complicated. Immigration Super. law is extremely complicated. Mm-hmm. Tax law is extremely complicated. A lay person is not going to know that. Even a highly educated it takes, person it takes may specialized not be able time. to read a statute. Yeah. So you cannot have that expectation that you're going to be able to come in and it's understand too much. everything it's too much. there. That's why it's recommended that you get legal assistance. Oh, and definitely. unfortunately, the system is rigged against people that don't have the means to provide representation for themselves. That's why in criminal court where the stakes are so high, everyone has a right to an attorney. But, but in family court, you know, immigration court... Um, civil court, you're not necessarily going to be given a free attorney. So, but look at this. It's not even about free attorney, but like it, 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 that dives right back into what I'm saying. It's more about money because it's less about us hearing the facts of the case. It's more about do can do you can you afford the best person to to um, get all this information and build this case? But for not you? necessarily it's, it's because not- some people go ahead and get a private attorney, especially when I worked in family court, um, and even when I worked, I worked in Brooklyn, and pretty much um, I used to do criminal immigration defense. Mm-hmm. I've had clients like screaming at me, I need a free attorney, I need a better attorney, whatever. Mm-hmm. I need to pay someone because you're not getting paid because I'm representing them for free. Yes. For them, they don't have to pay because I'm doing public interest work, but I'm getting paid by someone. And let me tell you, a lot of times people go out, they get these private attorneys, they think because they're giving them money, they're getting a better thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the free attorneys that they're giving you, legal aid, Brooklyn defenders, you know, Bronx defenders, wherever they are, they're highly trained. They do mm-hmm. this every day. This is what they do. You know what I mean? Versus a private attorney who works on all different types of cases mm-hmm. and is now scrambling to learn the law. They've had months of comprehensive training. They have supervisors overseeing everything that they do. They have a team of competent attorneys that they work with that they can go to for advice. And that's not costing you anything. People make that mistake all the time. Oh, I want that attorney who's driving the Mercedes mm-hmm. versus, you know, the attorney who got the Honda at legal aid. Where do that's you- your mistake because that legal aid attorney might win that case. The only thing is they might have a lot of cases. So that's what I'm saying. Where where does this notion come of like um, public defenders not being quality? I don't know. It's I think honestly it has to do with the fact that people are not paying for them. Because I've had so many interns in contact with me mm-hmm. talking about, oh, you're free, you ain't even making no money, blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking to myself, sir, I am getting you out of jail. Like what are you <laughs> yeah. talking about right yeah. now? Yeah, yeah. You have been sitting in there for God knows how long. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't come and depose you and do this affidavit and file this motion, you would still be in there right now and you're talk telling me that I have no value because you need to go get someone you could pay for. Okay, go pay this person. 
person who has no experience. Mm-hmm. It'll take them a year just to learn what I already know so they can do this motion for you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I have more things that I wanted to ask you, a couple more things. So okay. you touched on it a little bit when you were talking about um about like you you've practiced and it seems like in many different fields. And one of the things that you kind of go hard about is Ubers. Um, there just was a there was a recent report about how public safety in general. Yeah, and kind of how like how um, and I forgot how, what the specifics were. I don't want to I don't want to paraphrase incorrectly, but a lot of Ubers, a lot of rides in Ubers. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of violation over the past couple of years. They did a, they did a, st- a statistical report, mm-hmm. and Cher has been telling me this for a minute. Like yo, Violations these Ubers because so she works. That I work with. I don't want to say where I work. Like yep. what type of violation? But in the industry that I work with, yes, we deal a lot with vehicle violations and. Um, specifically we deal with, we do deal with, but we deal with a lot of complaints and there's all types of violations. Like, like you mentioned something as small as a cell phone while driving, it's maybe small for you guys, but they're a a professional driver. You have someone in the backseat that you don't even know. Now you're putting that person's life in danger. I have seen Uber drivers FaceTiming while driving. Don't you think that's a little over the top? You you FaceTiming, you're supposed to be taking me to my destination. You're missing turns left and right, but it goes further than that. It goes all the way to sexual contact. They're touching people's intimate body parts, um, sexual harassment. There's been cases of drivers, you know, making sexual comments to young girls, like 14-year-old girls and stuff, asking, oh, do you have a boyfriend? Um, you know, where are you going tonight? Oh, can I date you? You're so beautiful. Like, mm-hmm. all those type of things. Um, there are cases, like, I, I've seen cases where, they are doing drug deals with the passenger in the back. Like, yeah, that's, that's pretty right. dumb. But I, I've seen it where there was, like, a guy who went and got all this weed while he had a girl, the woman in the back, and she's like, what are you doing? And all of a sudden, it's a big brick that dropped from the front seat, and she just smells this weed. She's like, are you seriously getting this while I'm in the car? And then he went and did a stop and sold some weed with her in there. Obviously, she's that's recording wild. the whole thing. That's You're fucking an wild. Idiot who yeah, that's does wild. that. That's you know wild. What I mean, that's um, wild. but people make complaints about all sorts of things. Actually, right now, cyclists is a big thing, right? Cyclists are getting hit like crazy in traffic accidents, and people are dying. Yeah. And a lot of it has to do with vehicles. But unfortunately, the law does allow that. The problem is, what I noticed with cyclists is they're quick to make complaints about things happening to them. But you'll notice when they complain and things that they're also in the wrong. They're not following all the traffic laws, and they're supposed to. They don't. Stop they don't even know them. Lights. But look, exactly. They don't stop at red lights. They make right turns on red. Yeah, because they're on a bike, so they feel like I'm not gonna, I'm they good. They just do whatever, can... and then when you get hit, you look, wonder why. When you're driving and like you look for a car, if you look back, you say you're about to make a right turn, and you're in the right lane. You, you you don't have to usually usually you don't have to worry about a bike being there so you're just making the right turn mm. and then all of a sudden a bike just but comes up but people should be looking to no but you're I'm not looking, gonna lie I but, expose myself I don't even have my license no but <laughs> but that's I find it hard to remember to look when I'm practicing and stuff like that and but I noticed that when people who already been driving for a long time are showing me they're not looking either like nobody's looking no you do no, look. I look I know you stuff. look but when yeah, you drive look. No, 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 but it's, when you, it's, a, it's an experienced glance, though. It's like, it's a glance where I'll give an example. I'll give an example. No, no, I'll give you an example. When I'm driving on the highway, right, and I pass a car to the right of me, I know that I just passed a car. So okay. now when I'm changing lanes, that glance is a double check because yeah. I already know I just passed that car, so there ain't no way anything's right here. You know what I'm saying? But I'm a glance cause just to make sure I miss some shit and then I change my lane. A but you can't see that. No, 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 but look, but with a, but with a, but look, but look, with, with, with a bike. I can't pass the road test because I'm not breaking my neck 
But if the LSAT score was great, but that road test. No, but when you I'm look at it this year, 2020, the vision year. Okay. <laughs> no, but when you but when you look at the driver's test, a lot of it is factored around cars, not like the structure of getting a driver's license is factored around cars. It's what not do you mean? about bikes. Like so when you go on your driver's oh, test and all the booklets oh, and stuff, right. it's not yeah, about yeah, bikes yeah. and cars sharing yeah, the yeah, road yeah, together. Yeah, no, yeah. it's strictly cars. So and outside of that, the city isn't this wasn't designed for bikes and like people be like all these bikers, you're not a fucking car. You don't got a horn. You don't. Some of them do. They get their own little horn on there. But it's not. But you get a baby <laughs> horn. Like but you're not supposed to be honking your horn unless you're in imminent danger. Just Yo, a fun in New York fact. City, That's though. That's the VTL. No, you gotta City? wake people up. You're like, hey, <laughs> nah, hey, nah. Y'all assholes in New York City. You know you can get a ticket for that. Back to tickets that are stupid as fuck. You I know you can. can. I know you can. But that's white people in their neighborhood. Just because like you can't honk, it's too loud. You can, but you know what? But you know what though? Honestly, like. When you are riding, when you're driving in New York fucking city, oh, some of these bikers, some of these bikers are really <laughs> wild, like OD, like they they just really like just like mad quick in between your cars yeah, and shit. So it's like, really yo, if I just so happen to just hit the gas right then, I would have hit you and then I would have been wrong because because if you're in the car, you're automatically wrong. Yeah. If you in the car, you wrong. You wrong. And it's like, nah, that nigga was wildin'. Why I gotta be wrong? But yo, fuck that. Fuck fuck this bike shit. I want to ask you another thing. This shit is funny as hell. I want you to talk about this. So okay. I know when you was um the type of attorney that you know that you mentioned that you were dealing with families. Oh yeah, okay. Received... So I used to do I was prosecuting cases of child abuse and neglect. So really serious, um, heavy stuff. Yeah, what about that? I know that um that must have been rough coming from a family where there's been a lot of changes in your own family. Now you're working with dealing with other people's families and using I don't want to say your judgment, but using scenarios and situations to deem what you believe is right for that family. Based on maybe abuse and based on things going at home. So Tell me crazy. some stories or some rough times you've been through with that. So there's so much. So, there was so much in that question right now. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, you, just you mentioned family dysfunction. No, I got everything you said, but yeah. I don't know what to answer first. Because you mentioned family dysfunction and basing my decisions off of kind of my own experiences and things like that. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing. And if the first thing it makes me think about is vicarious trauma, which is something that's not spoken about enough, especially in the black community. And I think in fields where you're dealing with work that is traumatic. So the type of cases I will be dealing with is excessive corporal punishment. So when parents would be beating on their kids, mm-hmm. no matter what age, so I've had cases where I had little girls five years old who were getting hit and things like that. I've had kids who were getting cigarette burns on their back. The fuck? Um, yeah, abuse cases. I've had sexual abuse cases with highly sensitive photos and videos of the child's private parts being abused and things like that. Um, I've had medical neglect cases where the ch- the child is extremely sick, being underfed, um, not being given their medicine, they're diabetic, they're not being given insulin, things like that um, for punishment. Um, I've had mental health cases where the parent, you know, was bipolar, not being treated or self-treating with drugs. I've had drug cases where the child was born with positive toxicology, whether it be for PCP, heroin, um, all sorts of drugs, uh, you know, cocaine. People are using drugs when they're pregnant and the kid is coming out with positive toxicology. I've had children, you know, just born and they're already in the ICU and on the, they're on the precipice of life or death. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I've had 
cases with older kids, like 16, 17-year-old youths who have been in foster care who have now turned to prostitution um, to survive, um, you know, robbery, getting involved in criminal activity, um, doing drugs. I've had a case where there was a kid who died. Um, like he, well, he died from a drug overdose, but he was resuscitated with a dose of Narcan. And then even that one dose didn't work. Narcan is like a life-saving, mm-hmm. um, treat, uh, life-saving drug they can give you after you've overdosed on drugs. They had to give him two doses to bring him back, which is super serious. And he was like 16 years old. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I've had a lot of really, really serious cases. Um, a lot of domestic violence cases. You see a lot of um, domestic violence survivors. And just to be clear, what side of the what side of this do you represent? The prosecution side. So I worked for the government. So it's actually interesting in family court. There's many different parties, more so than other um, types of courts. So the children they get their own attorney. So let's say it's three children. Each child can have their own attorney. Mm-hmm. So there could be three attorneys just for the three children alone. And then the parents get their own attorney. So the mom will have their attorney. The dad will have their attorney. Everybody will have their own attorney because everybody has their own interest, right? Because they can be competing against each other. Um, and and then I would be the attorney for the government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so our, the most important thing for us is reunification with the parents when um, possible. When possible and safe for the child, the second best option is adoption, right? So at that time, it was all about reunification with the child or adoption. But there's times where the children get older and then they have another type of goal, which could be um, independent living, pretty much. A goal that's kind of independent living where we set them up um, for how to take care of themselves, get their own apartments like that. And that could be as early as 16, 17 years old. You can emancipate yourself? That's what it's called? Right. We help. Well, they don't have to get emancipated, but we help them become independent. We give them independent living skills courses. We help them open a bank account, make sure they have their important documents, social security, passport. Um, you know, teach them how to cook, get their driver's license, graduate from high school. Um, if they want to go to college, they give them college support programs as well. Um, and then we set them up with an apartment, help them get a job or internship. That's pretty dope. But a lot of times, that sounds really I mean, good, I mean, that's but really those dope, children, but it's their... given the traumatic experiences that they go through, a lot of them have diagnoses. Yeah. They're on all types of medication. Yeah, yeah. Um, they're of... stigmatized. They... You know, they act out a lot. They're not able to take care of themselves a lot of the time. Now, there are some success stories. There's, there's some amazing success cases. Um, but a lot of it is really traumatic stuff. And like me, the way I grew up, like you mentioned, my family, there's been dysfunction and stuff. There's been instances of domestic violence. Um, there's instances of people having drug use um, and ending up in really bad situations. Um, there's definitely corporal punishment in the Haitian community. It's common to hit your children. So coming from Haiti, and like I said, I was the first person in my family born in America. That's their mentality. Like, yeah, hit your kids. This is what's going to discipline them and stuff. Um, and then I've had like, you know, um, some family members that have actually been in the system, you know, as a foster child or as a foster parent. Um, so I've seen all different sides of it. So that definitely affects it. And, Vicarious trauma is when you're experiencing secondary trauma from the type of work that you do or you, um, the type of stories that you hear. Mm-hmm. And it affects how you deal with things. And you put your own personal biases or it can be a trigger for you. So there Give will be times. Of that. Okay, so for example, there will be times I'm dealing with a domestic violence case. And I might be coming, it might trigger me to something in my past, a domestic violence thing that might give me a preconceived notion. Let's say, oh, okay. you know, like, 
let's say I hear a story, you know, I'm just getting a case and I'm getting the information because we would write up the petitions and stuff like that. We have to do an investigation. So we're getting all the information and I'm using my preconceived notion. I'm like, oh yeah, the dad probably did it because the mom wanted to do this, this and this. And I'm thinking of it from my own perspective, right? Because it's Mm -hmm. triggering me. That's vicarious trauma. And now it's bringing me back to a a dark point in my life and that's affecting how I'm handling my work, right? Mm -hmm. So that's vicarious trauma. And also, let's say I have a really bad case and then the next case I get, let's say I have a a sexual abuse case, right? And then the next case I get is like a a physical abuse case where it's like cigarette burns. That's that's really bad. Like, let's say I have a five-year-old with cigarette burns, but I just had a three-year-old who was being sexually abused. Now that five-year-old case with cigarette burns is like, oh, that's not that bad. Mm -hmm. That's vicarious trauma because... Mm -hmm. That is, if anyone outsider looking in can see that and be like, oh my God, that's it's horrible. horrible. Yeah. But me, having dealt with it all the time, it's like somebody who works in the ER in the trauma um, department or something like that. Um, they're numb to shit. They're, they're numb, numb. exactly. Yeah. You see so much shit, it's like, it's nothing to you. You know what I mean? You don't have that human feeling. You don't have that empathy you used to have because everything is now disillusioned in your life and it goes into your real life as well. Let me People telling you sob but... stories and you're like, I don't give a fuck about that because I see this case A, B, and C all the time, right? I'm going to get back to this, but I want to report you. I want to see what you feel about this. So okay. that's actually one of the problems that I have with the whole judicial system in general. Like, you know, sometimes you'll see cases. Like, there was this case where this girl, she was in a courtroom, and I guess she was being rude. And it was for something very minimal. And because she was being what, quote-unquote, the judge would have considered rude. She was held in contempt of court. He just like gave her extra time, like just like you know what you can do an extra week. That's you like yeah, you're, yeah, you're that's being bullshit. held in contempt of court. Yeah, that's bullshit. Well, because you the represent ju- the, the law, you're the, the court, judge. Well, yeah, and that's within their purview because the no, court, that's bullshit. You represent you. the law. You did that off your own feelings but because you felt violated. The, the reason you yeah feel, to me that's to me that's not just the reason you feel a type of way. They they don't just do that to. Um, parties into the case they can do that to attorneys too i have been threatened with being held in contempt of court a hundred times by the judge because they felt like i was getting too extra with my argument right Mm -hmm. or i was speaking out of turn the judge's job is to control the courtroom and to make sure there's order in the court when they're saying that part order in the court order in the court they mean it the courtroom is the the judge's domain can i ask you a question i have Three questions that okay. are all layers. Ahead, so first, uh oh, <laughs> it's a tiered question. No, there's there's three different. They're all in different places. Oh, okay. One, the first question: Do you think judges? So they, the judges are supposed to be impartial, correct? Yes, they are. So how can you have conservative and liberal judges if you're, if you're impartial? You're still a human. You're you can be conservative. You can be you you know your views but then are you're going not impartial to come into it to an extent. But it's also about how you interpret the law. That doesn't mean you're not impartial because the law, that's the thing about it. Remember I told you, it's written in a way that's vague so that it can be construed many ways. That is the job of an attorney. You're going to have your fundamental views about the law and how it should be interpreted. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to administrative law, legislation and regulation. It's called statutory interpretation. Mm -hmm. Some people are... Um, fundamentalists, they um, go by exactly what the text say. They're textual. Mm-hmm. They look at the text and whatever it says is what it means. Mm-hmm. And they don't they don't consider anything ambiguous in it. Other people read it as, you know, um, it, in between the lines, yes. they loosely interpret it. They, they, they try to mold it into different things. Mm-hmm. And so that's what it means to be a lawyer. So there might be a judge 
who looks at the text and is like, I'm a fundamentalist. I go exactly by what the text says. Mm. And this is how I interpret the law. And this is how I'm going to rule on these cases mm. based on the way you interpret the law. And then there's another judge who is more flexible, who sees the law differently. They look at the framers intent more so than exactly what's in the text in order to determine what, what the law is really supposed to be after. So then secondly, how about the disparity between sentencing between races? Like how, uh, you know, a black person or, or Spanish person or a white person could do the same exact crime and then be charged. And let's say they're both first offenses and get charged. One will get uh, a year of probation at home and one will get five years. So, but you're using the terms wrong, right? You said charge. So that's exactly. I mean, sen- sen- sentence. Sentence. Sentence so with a year probation. What, the charge is what does it, though. The charges a are the, exactly the same. A lot of times they give different charges. Yes. So they give different charges based on people's race. Sometimes mm-hmm. you may get charged with some more charges or something like that. And a lot of times too, you'll notice that. Yes, it'll be the same crime or something like that. But it also depends when you're talking about criminal stuff. It depends on the jury. So the jury's the one that's really deciding what's going on with the case. For sure. And the sentencing is determined based on the recommendations provided by the prosecution. So everything is in flux. It really is a case-by-case basis. So it could be the same exact charge and a very similar crime, but there's always different things. Is the person a flight risk? Has the person had these type of behavior? What character witnesses were presented? What side is the jury leaning to? What? How was the person acting while they were in jail for this time that they were waiting for the trial to go on? So there's hundreds of different factors that come into play that people don't consider when it comes to sentencing. But so, yes, do I think there's a big disparity in sentencing? Yes. But I'll say African-American people especially, it's likely that they're going to go get, get sentenced in more time because from a younger age, we're more susceptible to falling into that criminal justice system. And once you have a record, it's so hard to get yourself out of there and clean things up because every time things are just going to add up and add up and So you add said up. susceptible, but don't you think that's kind of rooted in We're being how, targeted. No, exactly. Because like I said, like if you think about communities in which we live in and which we grow in, yeah. we, we can identify unmarked cars, all type uh, undercover police officers. If you're street smart. But, it, but if you look at the white community, they, they, they don't, don't know. They don't, they don't know have that to worry about because that. Because they don't get police. And like they say, and I, and I always said this to, you know, my friends that work in law enforcement, like, oh, this is a high crime area. I'm like, well, you kind of focus over here, but if you shifted your efforts over here, I bet you, I bet you would find a bunch, a bunch of shit going on over there as well. <laughs> so like, it's every oh these are high high crime areas. I'm like no. Well, like when they talking about stopping frisk when they were doing it uptown. Well, I'm like, come on, we all know that, do that in do 2020. That on- look at our president. Look at the society we're living in. Racism is alive and well. Yes. And people perhaps before you know people could argue oh this is uh you know. Uh, a racial a racial bias does not exist anymore. People saying, I don't see color when Barack Obama was president. Well, Barack Obama's not president anymore, and it seems like everybody's seeing color now. Mm-hmm. You know, Trump is talking about race openly, mm-hmm. discriminating against people openly, and other people are following suit. Racism is not even covert anymore like it used to be. Yeah. People used to be implicitly biased. Now everyone is being expressive. Mm-hmm. They are letting people know, I don't fuck with black people. I don't fuck with Muslims. I don't fuck with this that and you know what it's wrong um and in today's society you know i recently posted on my instagram i was like 
you know, I was thinking about it. We humans, we have so much problems with each other, but we all want the same thing. We just want to eat whatever we want and sleep comfortably. But some people are able to sleep more comfortably than others and eat whatever they want because they have more money than others. And the differences between everybody is what drives us apart. It's a lot of jealousy involved in it too. Mm -hmm. And things that go back from time, we're holding a lot of grudges, um, from, and you know, rightfully so from slavery and things like that. Um, but so like, it's really difficult. It's a really difficult time we're living in right now. I know we we, we pinpoint, you know, and you know, these are the last couple of topics we finish up before we finish up. But like, I know we always pinpoint to slavery as the focal point, which is it is the focal point. But then people seem to negate the Jim Crow era from after slavery, mm-hmm. which it was still consistent oppression and like absolutely they wanted our voting rights they wanted to lynch they don't want us to have power they don't want us to have property that was the main new york don't even people in new york don't want to acknowledge the fact that here in new york there was still you know active slavery that they were still discriminating against us especially us three we grew up like i i I first grew up in queens but i spent half you know my time in long island Mm -hmm. and you guys grew up in long island too in Long Island, especially, discrimination is still alive and Super well. Yes. There Super were zoning alive. laws. Every you know, does everybody know about Lynbrook? Like oh, Lynbrook, no. which is the opposite of Brooklyn. All the white people from Brooklyn moved to Long Island and changed the name to Lynbrook over there. And then they created zoning laws. Did not know. Oh, that. you had and no idea. Well, yeah. it makes now, sense. now sense. you do. And they Lynn made Brooke, sure to Brooklyn. keep wow. out the black wow. people. They were upset because people of color and different um, ethnicities, poor ethnicities, were moving in over here in Brooklyn. So they moved out to long island they took over the land and over there they created zoning laws and housing laws even though black people could buy property the way they created the laws it's like no property could be sold to black people yeah yeah, yeah. so 100%. it's you know and to this day that town still holds that essence of racism oh definitely <laughs> so, so, <laughs> that essence of racism yeah, is there yeah. so <laughs> so that type of slavery yeah. and that type of racism is what people that don't understand that keeps you from very owning different. things economic it's, power it's, yes. it's very very different because when you, I'm sure you guys have heard people before say like, oh, well, everybody was slaves. Well, there were slaves when there's people. You know, white people were slaves too. Yeah. No, 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 you hear all that. It's not about the fact that they were being <laughs> slaves. And No, people do say that. I and, know. And some were, I'm sorry. And, and, and in the way they think they're saying it, it's actually true. In the way they think they're saying it. But the slavery we're talking about is very fucking different. Like and it continues other slaves, yes, other slaves exists. weren't intentionally being forced to not be able to read and write, and they weren't your forced to not customs. being able to be exactly and adapt to customs and lose your history and your name and not be allowed to but be financially literate. Because all that stuff they wanted to do, and we still came back and we're reclaiming shit like it's and we just keep growing and growing and, and growing. Grow- and it's crazy because you have to imagine the type of power and how elite black people would be right now if mm-hmm. all that stuff didn't happen. Because throughout all that adversity we're doing this like right now African American women are one of the most educated groups in America yep. mm-hmm. which you would never think yep. you could say that 50, I love that 60, I mean, you could say that three more times so people know yeah. African American women are the most educated group in America and I keep telling and people that this is insane mm-hmm. because people don't realize like yo we had to fight really hard not only are we black we're women we have to break through the glass ceiling we have to try to get in where we fit in where we don't fit in to be honest mm-hmm. with these white men that are in control of these major fields um even when i was in law school and you know going back to that since we were supposed to be talking about law school and the no, law we, school like, whatever. <laughs> whatever. but going back to no but going back to that though when i was in law school um i went to a school that i would say is very diverse for our law school and even though it's very diverse for a law school and i was the president of the black law students association so i felt like i was with black people all the time 
in our day division class, by the time we graduated, it was about almost 400 students, 350 to 400 students graduated. Um, out of the day division, there were only three black men. Mm-hmm. Three black men. Three years of law school, three black men. You know what I mean? And maybe there were 25, 30 black women. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There mm-hmm. was the amount of black women compared to black men in the field is mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I definitely want to put that out there. When I was in college, I realized this because of the student African-American brotherhood. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of friends who were in that. And one time I went to a meeting and I noticed there was no women there. So I asked if I could join. They had a woman actually as their advisor. Um, and she was like, you know what? We've never had a woman be a member. So she called, it was like the international thing. She called, found out, yeah, I could be a member. I just can't be on the e-board. So I was the first woman to join the Student African American Brotherhood at um, Stony Brook. And it's interesting because, and I got other friends to join and stuff, and other women got ended up getting really active with it. But it's interesting because we're the most educated group. We're doing well. We're graduating, you know, on time or early for the most part as African American women. But when you look on the other side of the spectrum, African American men on average are taking six to seven years to obtain their bachelor's degree or if they get their bachelor's degree at all, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people start getting their bachelor's and they stop because of financial obligations or family obligations or things come up in life, which I completely understand that, you know what I mean? But we as black women, we need to do our part too. And I know people don't want to hear this, especially black women. They do not want to hear this, but we need to do our part too to help our brothers out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're doing great. We're being successful. Wait, why, um, wait, hold on. You got back up. Why you were saying there was definitely more specific to the whole we don't want to hear this. Why Why don't black, black women, want to women hear that? don't want to hear, oh, you know, you have to help a black man be great. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They don't want, uh, okay, for example, when it comes to dating, right? Come on, you have a lot of women friends, educated women mm-hmm, and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They won't date a guy who doesn't have the same level of degree as them, the same type of job, who's not making more money or something like that. You know, me, I'm a lawyer. I have my lawyer friends, a lot of, you know, my girls or whatever. They're not going to date a guy who's not an engineer, who's not a doctor, who's not making money. That's not really a black woman thing, though. Who wants to date down? Okay, but this is what I'm saying. You say who wants to date down, but we as a race, let's say you as a black woman, you only want to date a black man. Mm-hmm. You have limited options because a third of our men are in jail and majority of our men are not getting their bachelor's. So how are they going to have advanced degrees and have these same careers and this same type of money as us? True that. So it's end up small, white. it's... It's small picking, you know, <laughs> you have to think about it. So it's slim pickings. A white person don't want to date down and they don't have to. Mm-hmm. White men are in positions of power. So they're going to find white men by the bushel to date. Mm-hmm. Indian guys, same thing. Asian people, same thing. But we as black women, the mass incarceration system is a big part of it. It's wiping out half the guys that we would normally date as it is. Mm-hmm. And then the education issue is another thing where, your guy is not going to have it. And if you don't want to motivate him, you don't want to work with somebody who's a work in progress. It, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you may end up lonely or just going to date outside the race pretty much, which is fine. You know, interracial dating is amazing. And I think that's great. But a lot of times, you know, black women will miss out on the guy of their dreams or whatever, because he doesn't have the credentials they want on paper. And it's sense. funny because like those sense. are all like temporary things that could exactly be, like, you could. Like, as long as someone has ambition, you can help them out. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, ambition, I mean, don't you want to invest motivation. in this? Like, I mean, I just like, but sorry no, to interrupt you. Sorry, nobody wants to invest in anybody anymore. That's what I'm saying. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, you, but it of... is an investment anyway, a relationship. Yeah. 
So I mean, if you if you even if you're gonna be with somebody who's already established, they may be established in this department, but they can be not established in other departments but that are also gonna take the, time. People live in the instant, instant gratification age. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know it. Social media makes it so easy. People want to break up. They don't care. They got a person on their backup. They've been yeah, talking yeah. to not their even side that. Bitch. Not even that. <laughs> yeah. Like yo, people. Yeah, yeah. They've been talking to their side <laughs> dude. People don't even want to invest in communication. Like people, oh no, people like, don't even want to get to know, know each other. Do you know how days? many people will sit there? I'm not doing this. I can't do this anymore. I can't keep like getting to know somebody and it don't work out. That's how fucking like you know how many fucking job interviews <laughs> I'm bid on and the shit ain't work out. Those exact words, all my friends on the dating app. Oh, I'm so tired of getting to know people and don't work out. That's the what fucking the process. Fuck? Like what the fuck? <laughs> the like, best part too. Like how many times? Right. Getting to know somebody is the best part. Yes, it may not work out. Maybe you guys are better off as friends, but at least you put yourself out there and got that but experience. That's how lazy are we getting where you don't even super, want to fucking meet people super lazy you don't, you don't want to, people. to meet no, no. people you don't anymore, even want to meet people you don't social want to talk media, to media you can have a full relationship look at our sister Jalexa she's Damn, 17 years oh, Damn, I gotta edit this out oh <laughs> just believe her name yeah oh our sister yeah, yeah. <laughs> whatever our younger sister she's 17 123 <laughs> our younger sister she's 17 bro she's on snapchat you know how many boyfriends she has had on snapchat that she never met before yeah, she was, and she had it's a like a from serious Chicago. relationship from Chirac? I guess. I'm, I'm just telling you what he's I was from talking. Oh, yeah, he's from he was in Chicago. Yeah. She <laughs> no, got, but, and it's been like four years. They're still together. I loved it. I was like, I, yeah, I was, I oh, they never seen each other. Bro. It was great. They never Yo, shut seen up. each other. <laughs> they never seen each other. I'm just thinking to myself, like, this is what these kids do to these. No, they definitely they different. have parties. They don't well, talk I mean, to it's each not, other. It's not even kids. It, it's not kids. It's us. No, it's, it's everybody. Us, it's We're part of the same age. There are, uh, it's just getting worse. No, but it, their addiction's a little different. No, no, their addiction is wild. But I just think <laughs> like I can't stand you, I'm pretty sure you know so many people pressed to get into relationships, but then they don't want to put in no work no, to get into don't. the relationship, or they're so quick and, and wanting to like streamline. I mean, streamline it. Any little thing they, that comes they up, ignore, they'll break up. They they do that, but they also ignore red flags, and like you end up fucking with motherfuckers that you would never even fuck yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Like, so and you don't realize it till you out. Like, I would never even fuck yeah, with Yeah, I would have never done that. But like, a lot of times, girls, too, will date a guy for credentials and stuff. So I know, like, it's, I know yeah. guys who are complete assholes, but, oh, he's a lawyer. He's making this much. He works at this firm or whatever. Oh, yeah, especially in the that, city. People fall for that shit in the city Especially the these yeah. dudes be married all the time. Oh, but we're we're in an open marriage. And girls be falling for that. I'm like, so you actually believe they're in an open marriage? They've been watching Insecure. I've actually heard from a friend, like, oh, yeah. He said, you know, he was in an open marriage, but it was one-sided. And we believe things like that. You know what I mean? But we, that's what I'm saying. But it was because one-sided. there's so little to choose from, though. What there's so of, little to choose from. That's not open. That's not that's open. The, that's that's like, being dumb. That's what I that's said. That's a fucking sliding you know door. That's not yeah. a fucking door. I just think people got to stop being dumb and just start really like... I think people truly just want to... Uh, they want what they want and don't think. Like, they don't use logic in the head. Like, oh, this didn't sound right at all. Like, you know, somebody tell you something like, this don't sound right. People need to start doing that with like when they talk to people. <laughs> like that don't fucking These sound right. These apps are crazy though. It's people are catfishing out here. By the way, you, if you, you know what I'm saying, but if you are get you guys watching that show on Netflix, The Circle? No. no, what's that? Oh my god, it's a social media competition show. They got like eight people living in this building competing against each other. They never get to see each other. They don't get to hear each other's voices. It's just social media profiles. Some people playing as themselves. Some people are playing as themselves but change the aspect. Like, oh, they say they're single but they're in a relationship. Or they're playing as a complete catfish. But, and pretty much whoever's the most popular at the end wins. But time out. 
in 2020, there's no fucking way you can get catfish. Like, if you get catfish, you oh, are. Oh, well, they're getting catfish on the show. Because you bro, can do Google image search. Bro, you can no, look up location. You mean just like FaceTime? FaceTime. Yes. Oh. Yeah, you, but people still buy you can't excuses. Fake the, why I can't FaceTime? Yeah. I don't have an iPhone. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> no, time out, time out. There's That's Google. the funniest no, thing in out. the world. There's Google Hangouts. FaceTime me. Oh, like, there's WhatsApp. There's WhatsApp. There's, there's, WhatsApp, there's Facebook, Google Hangouts. There's ladies, Instagram. Ladies, don't ever take the excuse Look, I can't it's, FaceTime. It's, it's, what, Instagram what is, video. What's a, good, what's a good excuse to why you can't FaceTime? Nothing. <laughs> if you, if I, if I ask you multiple times to FaceTime and you won't, I'm just assuming you're a catfish. I'm a catfish sometimes because I I do not accept unsolicited FaceTime. If you do not tell me you're going to FaceTime me first... Do not think I'm going to. No, answer. that's different. That's different. I'm not, no, 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 I'm no, no, not no, 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 answering a random But if I ask you to FaceTime multiple times and you don't, I just like, need to verify that I, up, I know who like, you are. You want to verify your face? I'll tell you the truth. Before I was dating my boyfriend, for like, he was very sketchy in the beginning. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, and he knows this too. He can't lie. He was really sketchy. Like, he didn't want to talk on the phone for like the first two months. What? Now, mind you, I knew he wasn't catfish because he's someone I knew as a kid growing up. Okay, okay. But. We hadn't been in touch for mad long, so we reconnected over social media. So it was kind of weird. Like, he didn't want to talk on the phone for, like, the first two, three months. And then FaceTime. He didn't FaceTime me for, like, four or five months. And then we didn't even see each other until we were, like, we were talking from March to July before we saw each other. Went on Dang, the first you date. was really on some pen pal shit. I yeah. know, bro. And it's, like, from Long Island to Brooklyn at that That's time. That's some, like, throwback. Um, yeah. Throwback. You was writing, like, you was writing, you was getting right letters to the post office. Yeah, her legs up on the couch. Is he like, cat? Yeah. They were like, like is quill? he catfish or whatever? <laughs> What's his story? Why is he so sketchy? Blah, blah, blah. But sometimes people are just going through a phase in their life. Or it's just their sign. He's an Aquarius. So, ladies, I'm warning you, these Aquarius are just crazy <laughs> and hard to get to know. Um... But in the end, you know, we ended up together and everything, so that's okay. But mm-hmm. it was hard in the beginning because it's like, you don't know, why is this person playing around? If I didn't know him from before, yeah. I would have definitely been like, this guy's a catfish. What the fuck? He doesn't like, FaceTime. <laughs> you like, don't want me to hear his voice. Is he a woman? Like, what's happening here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You would have been like, he cut. Canceled. The cancel culture. I know, I, know, I know we, um, we this, this is a long one, but oh, it's really? all good. Oh. But it's all good. It's all good. I just have one last thing to ask you about, especially about your profession. Okay. Um, when you were a lawyer and you were in the field where you were um, working with the families and everything like that, um, has it ever been like, because you said you represented, the gov- you represented the government, meaning there's probably situations where you may have or have not needed to remove children from families or, and that must've got kind of crazy Definitely. for the other family members. Have you ever had any feedback from that? Anything like that from family members, like from real people, not from your job. Definitely, definitely, definitely. That's positive or negative. Negative, obviously, you know, especially when you're working government, I'll tell you. Wait, why? One last thing before you go in, why are aunts and uncles, like you could tell me about the negative feedback you've got. Cause I definitely want to know, <laughs> but when I said positive also, I meant like, did you remove ever remove children from families and like, give them to aunts or uncles who were able to provide better for them or is that not even an option? Oh, yes, absolutely. So that's so, what I mean. Like, So, oh, so yes. So positive and positive negative. and negative. So there was a lot of times. So the thing is when you work for the government, everybody's represented by an attorney. So it's not like you get to talk to the parties directly. When people are represented by attorneys, it would violate their rights to speak to them directly because you would be influencing them in a way that they're not supposed to be getting influenced. Um, so you speak with their attorneys. So majority of the time I'll speak with their attorneys, but there are times where I get to have a meeting with their attorney and the, and the child there. There would be times I dealt with older children. There was one case where it was a girl whose um, mother was on drugs and things like that. And she was desperate to get out of the home. So the child was the one in that case that wanted to be removed and placed with her godmother, a kinship resource in that case. So they call that a kinship resource. So yes, there are times where you're able to place them 
um, that is our preference to pay, play, place them with a kinship resource if they can't be with one of their parents. Oh, okay. That's um, cool. So, yeah, absolutely, they look for that. So, in those cases, yes, there can be positive outcomes. Um, there are a lot of negative outcomes, though, especially when you're removing people's children. It's a sensitive thing, and when you're terminating people's parental rights, because your parental rights can be terminated, even if it's your biological child, you can no longer be their legal parent. So shit is wild. Yeah, and so it makes sense. But and once you have one, your rights are terminated for one child. Um, it stands to reason that all your children's rights will be terminated. So all your you will lose all your kids most likely because. Once you have one terminated, you're deemed high risk, pretty much. In the so they have options to do services and stuff. Yeah, they'd be cursing me out. I remember I had this one guy who used to send me letters, and they would be, like, handwritten somehow. He got my office address because we had an office inside the court, but we had our own personal office, too. Our office building was, you know, in the financial district, mm-hmm. and the court was in Tribeca. So somehow, though, he got my actual office address, like the one in the financial district, which I, I don't understand how he knew my office address. Um, but he would send me letters. He would address it with like the case planner's name, the social worker that was on his case, but he would use his address. So that's part of how I knew it was him. So he wasn't slick as how he thought he was. And then he would write it on loose leaf and it would be like caps and lowercase with pencil and stuff. And I remember him writing to me, Oh, you know, pretty much like, um, you know, you check to check worker, you GSS, DPS, whatever worker. Um, he's like, I hate you. You don't even know how to wash your clitoris right. You nappy headed hood rat. Oh, <laughs> yeah. What he, the fuck? It was a very, you know, it was very aggressive. The type of stuff he would send me. And when I would see him in court, he's like a six foot four guy. And the reason he has his case and stuff is domestic violence. Mm-hmm. He has criminal record for assault, um, possess- weapons, possession charges. He's very aggressive and he's a huge guy and he's looming over me in court and he's always cursing me out and shit. I remember one time he came to a conference and he brought his son and like literally um, the son is like older, like 21 or something. And he says to me, yeah, you can't get my kid. You can't get this one. You can't get this one. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, he's 21. That's why we can't get him. But he was already in the system all his life. The only reason you're saying that is because he's 21. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it used to be like you do deal with a lot of people who are aggressive. He threatened me before. You know, sometimes you have to get an order of protection against these people. The cases can go really bad. Like I've had people burn um, you know, apartments. Like I've had one dad who went and burned down the mom's apartment um, while she was downstairs getting the mail, almost killed the child and stuff like that. Dang. Like it's all sorts of stuff going on out here. So you have to just be really careful when you're doing those type of things. But that's part of the risk of doing this type of work is very important. So, you know, when I was doing that, it was major key, but I'm glad that I changed to a less aggressive field now. Mm-hmm. Well, shit, I guess. That was we, a lot. That, that was, was a lot. lot. But we'll definitely, you know. Yeah, we unpacked un- a lot of we shit We unpacked today. a lot of it on there, you know. If you didn't know, now you know a now, lot. Yeah, now you, you know. know. <laughs> yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, def- if you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, if fact. you don't know, you, you now you know. Now you know some shit. Yeah, nah, uh, thank you, Cher, for, you know, shedding your, your insight and sharing with us, you know, your your uh, podcast voice. 
Is your, is <laughs> my first, podcast was. It's your first podcast. So yeah, thank you. we barely scratching the surface out no, here. No, listen, we're just getting started, but thank yeah. you so much. No, we really seriously. appreciate it. Uh, welcoming us to your home. Thank you guys abode. for having me. It's been a pleasure. You know, yeah. most definitely. Yeah, you guys came all the way out to Brooklyn. Very comfortable. Got the setup. You let people know where we at. Now they, yeah. do, do oh, people, they're not supposed to know we in We've been getting letters. No. We've been getting some angry letters too. This mad teachers after me. Brooklyn is a big borough. I got to keep it low. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you gotta watch it. The teacher's oh union wants my head. <laughs> <laughs> but um, definitely thank you for everybody who's tuned in. If you like us, leave some feedback. You know, share. Would you like some followers or you don't want no followers? Sure, account? give me some followers. Plug, plug shot, yourself. Shot, 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 shot. Okay, my Instagram is at Cher Chanel. That's S-H-E-R-C-H-A-N-E-L, like the brand. You know what I'm saying? Mm, hello. That rich shit. <laughs> <laughs> No, but for real, follow me. Um, again, like I said, disclaiming these is my personal beliefs. This has nothing to do with my job. Um, and this is not legal advice, but these are my personal opinions. I'm just sharing them out here. Yeah, you and, agree and, or disagree, that's your personal business. And, and last but not least, you mentioned some organizations that you've been a part of in the past. Are you a part of any organizations now that you want to plug in? Because there's a lot of young minorities who want to be more involved in things and, and, and would probably love to speak and connect with somebody like you who can help them. I'm pretty sure there's some young people out here who listen. Definitely. If you want to go to law school, you could definitely connect with me. If you message me on Instagram and you tell me that I mentor a lot of people. I used to be on the Northeast Balsa, the um, mentoring chair, um, like the pre-law chair. But um, now I am with New York Law School, the Alumni Association. I'm on the board of directors. I'm also on the board of directors for the Civil Service Bar Association. I'm a member of Halani, the Haitian American Lawyers Association of New York. And I support DBA, the Dominican Bar Association. My best friend, Dora, she's getting sworn in next week as the president. So definitely check her out. She's the flyest lawyer around. Let's go. She, Congratulations, she's Dora. She's going to be the president. Yeah. yeah, my girl Kayla's the secretary. So they're taking over as well. Um, any women that's out there that want to be in the legal field or that are currently in the legal field, I'm going to be doing an event in mm. March, a women's wellness event, um, either going to be at Equinox or Lululemon. Ooh. So stay posted for that. It's something we've done in the past and people have really enjoyed it. Are men welcome? So definitely, um, um, men, yes, you're welcome. Okay. It's inclusive. Absolutely. Uh, we'll probably be doing yoga as diversity. well. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. So. <laughs> We want to make sure everybody's caring about their wellness. Um, and last but not least, keep looking on my page. As I said, I'm part of the Alumni Association for NYLS. We actually recently had one of our alumni passed away, a good friend of mine. Her name is Ebony Griffith. Um, she had cancer. She passed away on December 26th. She was 29 years old. Oh, damn. She was a, yeah, Rest she was a face. very influential person. She helped me get my first job out of law school. Oh, wow. um, she has literally given me the clothes off her back before. She was a wonderful, wonderful person. We're raising money for a scholarship in her name and doing a celebration of life for her at the law school. So if you see the link on my profile, please donate. Um, we definitely want to do that for her family. The cancer came as a surprise and a shock to everybody um, and nobody knew she was sick. So her passing away was a big thing, um, in the community. And she was such a wonderful person. We're commemorating her for black history month. Um, so definitely she was a young influential lawyer. So donate, you know what I mean? So yeah, those are a 100. few things I'm doing in the community, yeah, yeah. Yes, but definitely. Yeah, that's real, watch that's me. <laughs> I'm no. going to keep moving. You know what I mean? We're going to uh, add your, your at name in the episode. So people Thank can you. follow you. So if you know, you know. And if it, you know, you know. And if you don't, well, now you do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Our, 
holler at you. I holler at you. Vlad out, Rashad out, Share out. Share out.